gifts um, <clears throat> that have an opportunity. That, so, <clears throat> but we do need to learn some lessons from what we've been looking at, and we'll do that just before we begin with Hezekiah. <clears throat> so find, yourself, find your way to <clears throat> chapter 18. And then just turn back one chapter. Right? <clears throat> Looking at chapter 17. And Samaria is taken. Right? <clears throat> In the year 730 BC, um, <clears throat> Samaria ceases to exist, or thereabouts. Uh, Israel ceases to exist. Uh, it's gone. It's removed. It's incredible. Only God can do things like that. Only God can take, can take one nation and remove that nation and put another nation into its place and then t take that nation and remove it and it's gone. And we don't know where the ten tribes uh, that make up Samaria, <clears throat> that made up the nation of Israel, are anymore. Right now, you're Bible scholars, right? <clears throat> and we've been looking at this for a long time, right? So <clears throat> why? Why are they gone? We're going to read it, but you tell me why first. Why are they gone? Why are they removed from the land? They went their own way. Again and again and again. King after king after king. In spite of the prophets that came and warned them. They went their own way. They did their own thing. And finally, God acts. And the king of Assyria comes in and he takes them all out of it and removes them and, and, and deposits them who knows where. Well, the Bible tells us where, but we don't know where they are now. They're gone. God does that kind of thing. God expects us to listen to him. God loves us. And God wants our best, and God pours out blessings on us. And that, that's his way. That's what he wants to do. But when we consistently resist and go against him, and go against him, and go against him, he doesn't just take it lightly. See, sometimes we think God is Santa Claus, don't we? You know, and he's just got a good old heart, and he's a good old boy, and you know what? He, he never does anything hard or anything harsh. No. God steps in sometimes in our lives and does harsh things. No, he never stops loving us because he tells us he doesn't. But he steps in and he does what we consider to be harsh things. You know, if you lived in the nation of Israel <clears throat> and a, a foreign king came in and rounded you up and put you effectively on a cattle wagon, it wasn't like that, but, <clears throat> but put you on a cattle wagon and removed you to a faraway land, far from your family, your friends, your um, your, your own house and, and all of those things, you'd be feeling pretty sore. That wouldn't be fun. And in order for you to understand what God had done, you'd have to understand what we're going to read now. Uh, look at verse 7. Because it's speaking about this very, very, chapter 17, verse 7. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt, from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods, and had walked in the statutes of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel, and of the kings of Israel which they had made. Right now, now let me bring your minds back. Why did God remove the nation that was before Israel from the land? Why did he do that? The abominations. What were they doing? sacrificing babies, they were worshipping idols, they were doing all kinds of wicked things, and God had a belly full of it. And so he just removed them. 
Many of them died. Others were removed. Now, Israel's command was to get rid of all of them. Did they get rid of all of them? No, they didn't, did they? Now, they were warned to make a clean breast of it, to get rid of everything, to get rid of all the people of the land. If they didn't, they would become a snare to them. And when they became a snare to them, they would cause them to go into idolatry. And when they went into idolatry, eventually they would be removed from the land. And now it's happened. So way back when, God gave them a warning, get rid of all of it. Do you know this is something we need to learn there? When you get saved, you need to get rid of everything of the old life that draws you to sin. Everything. Everything. We say, Come on, it's not that serious. Come on, you know, you don't have to be, we're under grace. And we don't have to be worried about, no, you need to get rid of everything of the old life. You're going to be successful in your Christian life in the measure that you remove the strains of the old life from your life, from your thinking, from your heart, from your life. Listen, you can't have any parley with sin in your life. There can't be any, ah, that's not too bad. And there are sometimes, aren't there? And we're doing exactly what Israel did. That's exactly what Israel did. And it wreaks havoc in our lives. No, listen, you need to get rid of all of it. Because what happens is, the little sin that you hold on to is the thin end of the wedge, and the enemy seeks to drive it in as deep as he can and drive it in between you and God. And that's what happened for this nation. And the reason it's recorded is for our help and for our blessing. But let's go on. Um, And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God, and they built them high places in all their cities from the tower uh, of the watchmen to the fence city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. They set up the worship of idols. Now, you didn't have to be a brain to understand that was going to be a problem. I mean, everything about God says no idols. Everything about him says no idols. I won't have any truck with, the, with idols. And yet that's just exactly what they did. Now, <clears throat> I don't know why they, they did that. That seems absolutely daft to me. You know, the living God. And the living God redeems you and pulls you out of Egypt. And the living God opens the Red Sea. And the living God feeds you with manna in the wilderness and gives you uh, <clears throat> water from rocks. And the living God gives you victory over all your enemies and brings down the walls of Jericho. And on and on and on. Why would you worship idols? Isn't that madness? Isn't that first degree craziness? But they did. And you and I need to understand that you know, what's written in the Old Testament is written for us, for our admonition, for a warning for us. You, know, you need to understand that. You know, if they could do it, so could you. Now, I don't expect that you're going to get yourself a little statue of Buddha and uh, put it on a shelf somewhere in your house and begin to worship, but you know, uh, that's, that's not our way. But you know what an idol is? An idol is anything in your life that you depend upon more than you depend upon God. Anything. Drugs are an idol. Clear as anything, they are an idol. Money can be an idol. Pride can become an idol in your life. So many things can become... And why we won't do what Israel did, you know what? We do it different. But we can worship idols too. 
We can set up our idols and worship them. And God is no more pleased with us doing that than he is with Israel when they did it. All right, but let's go on. And there they burnt incense in, in all the high places, as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. Now, understand this. Can you be angry with somebody that you love? If you ever have kids, you know you can. You can be upset uh, with a child that you love and be angry because of the things they do. You don't stop loving them, uh, but you can be angry. Can God be angry with you? Yes. God can be angry. God can be angry with the things that you he was angry with the things Israel did. <clears throat> God can be angry with you can provoke him to anger. Sometimes when we're not walking closely with God, we feel like, you know what, he's far away, he doesn't see him getting away with it. Nobody saw it. Listen, that's not true. God is privy not only to everything you do in the darkest room in your house, he's privy to everything that goes on in your mind. He knows every thought. And you know what? You can make him angry. Now, look, let me give you a piece of real sound counsel here. Don't make God angry. Just don't make God angry. That's daft. That's madness. Why would you make the one who controls your very breath angry? Don't make him angry. I mean, the fear of the Lord is a real thing. I mean, the fear of the Lord is not where it all ends. I mean, it goes on to, uh, to love that, that, that banishes the fear almost. But you know what? The beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you fear the Lord and recognize, you know, he's in charge. I'm not going to go against him. I'm not going to do something that's going to uh, make him angry. You're in a good place then. And when you don't, when you treat him like he doesn't see and he doesn't know, when you treat him like, you know, what well, everybody else is getting away with him, when you don't take reckon uh, on who God is, you know what? That's a daft place to be. Israel <clears throat> were on their way out from the moment the two kingdoms split. They were on th- because they were worshiping idols from that moment, and God wasn't going to have it. And He warned them, and He warned them, and He warned them, and He warned them, and, and they still went ahead. You know, <clears throat> don't make God angry. That's that, that's not a wise thing to do. Um, <clears throat> For they served idols, whereof the Lord had said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways, and keep my commandments and my statutes according to the law which I commanded your fathers, uh, and which I sent to you uh, by my servants, the prophets. Did God warn them? We've read about some of the warnings. What was Jeremiah's ministry warning them? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. If you do it, you're going to be t- taken into captivity. If you do it, uh, the, 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 there's going to be all kinds of uh, trouble. You know, don't do it. Don't do it. And they still did it. Now, have you been warned? Probably more than once, haven't you? Probably more than once God has sent someone or brought a word to you or brought a word to your mind and said, don't do this, stop that, this is not wise, stop this. And here's what happens, when God speaks, we, we, we hear it loud and clear the first time. I mean, you've heard about people that were, that, that were gripping the seats in front of them that with their knuckles going white. It, that, doesn't, that kind of conviction doesn't last, though. Do you know that? After a while, you can shrug that conviction off and you, you, you get back to relaxing and doing your own thing. 
But if God warned you, you need to take it on board. That's not messing. God knows what he's about and he knows what we need to do. And when God is warning us, we need to understand what he's saying and what he's doing. And we need to obey. Verse 14, notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks like the neck of their fathers and did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and his testimonies, which they testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that, they, uh, that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them and that they should not, not the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire. That's exactly what the heathen were doing when God cleared the land and gave it to Israel. And used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and he removed them out of his sight There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Only the one tribe was left. Now, folks, we should be warned by that. We should take that on board. Now, skip over. It's going to get happy before we're done, all right? Uh, Chapter 18. Uh, We should be warned by it. We should know, don't mess with God, that God's in charge, that he rules in the affairs of men, and there's nothing beyond him. And we're going to see some things in Hezekiah's life that are absolutely amazing. God's going to kill 185,000 foreign soldiers uh, outside the walls of Jerusalem because <clears throat> he, he, he decides he's going to protect Jerusalem. Do you know he could have protected Israel? Now those kings thought they thought they, were, they, they thought they were going to be the men. They thought they were going to, uh, in Israel, they thought they were going to look after it and keep, and keep the whole show going, but they couldn't. But God could have protected it all, and again and again he proved that he could protect it all. Do you know that God can take care of you? there's nothing God can't do to take care of you. And there's nothing he won't do if he needs to to take care of you. Nothing. God will take care of you. Oh, listen, there's always going to be that contention of faith when you think to yourself, oh, but he's not going to come through here. I'm going to be left on my own. No, 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 no. God is able to take care of you. He can protect you and he take care of you, can take care of you. Walk with him. Don't take it in your own hands. You'll always fail when you take it in your own hands. Walk with him, depend upon him, he can take care of you. Right? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word to us. And Lord, we thank you for faithfully recounting the fact that you removed Israel from the land. And Lord, in all honesty, it terrifies me, Lord, because you are mighty and you are powerful and just as much as you promise to do good things when you promise you're going to do bad things uh, that you do them too lord would you help us as a people to be warned and to learn and to know and to grow and lord <clears throat> would you help us as we look at this man hezekiah lord to be encouraged and to know uh, lord that you can and you will take care of us and to put our trust in you and lord may we see you do great things in our lives in jesus name amen all right, chapter 18 and verse 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, a son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, uh, the daughter of Zechariah. 
And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. Now let me let me let you in on a secret here. You know what? Uh, <clears throat> he did what David his father did who lived hundreds of years before him. He did not do what his own father did. His own father was Ahaz and Ahaz was as wicked as all get up. Uh, he was as wicked a king uh, as Judah ever had. Um, he, he, he sacrificed everything uh, of God to, to, to make things comfortable for himself, as he thought, and God was very angry with him. So you know what? Hezekiah was not raised in a good home. Right? Now, aren't you glad that you don't have to be raised in a great home uh, to do well? This, this king uh, turns around and walks with God and listens to God, and he makes a complete change in his family tree. Now, you can do that in your life. You can actually change things in your life. Just because you came from people that didn't know God and didn't love God and didn't walk with God doesn't mean you have to live like life like that. You need to understand that in your life, a new branch of your family was started. Might be you're the first generation of Christians in your family. Well, you know what that means? That, listen, you can walk a whole new way and you can have a family that walks a whole new way and you can leave a whole different line behind you. Isn't that great? Isn't it great to think that, you know, you, listen, you're not consigned to the scrap heap because of where you come from? You see, your past can never be allowed to dictate your future because God is in the middle of it all and God can change anything. And Hezekiah is a good king. Uh, look at verse 4. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves. Now his father was an idolater to the core. He brought idolatry into the temple. He was an idolater to the core. But you know what? <clears throat> Hezekiah takes the throne and he removes the high places. He breaks down the images. He cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made uh, for <clears throat> For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. Now here's an interesting thing. Remember the brazen serpent? The brazen serpent is the serpent that Moses held up when the people had been bitten by burning fiery serpents. And if you looked at the, at the brazen serpent, you were healed. You just had to look at... So listen, that, that was still part of the kit of Judah. They still had it there. But the people burned incense to it like it was something all by itself. You see, it wasn't a brazen serpent that healed anybody. It was God. He said, Moses, get yourself a brazen serpent. Hold it up. Tell the people to look at it. And if they look at it, I'll heal them. God was the one that was healing, not the serpent, not the brass. And <clears throat> Hezekiah gets upset with them over this and says, look, it's Nehushtan. It's just a piece of brass. We're not worshiping it anymore. And he burned it. Now, I'm telling you what, that, that would be considered sacrilegious in most religions, wouldn't it? We got this way back from the time of Moses. And your man just burned it. Why? Because it was becoming an idol. And he knew that God wouldn't be happy with it if it was an idol. Don't make an idol out of anything in your life. Even things that are kind of holy. You know, the enemy is kind of clever. And he's able, to, he's, able to, he's able to push things into your life that you would never dream could be a problem because, you know what, that's a holy thing. That's a, that, that, that's a holy thing. That's something God told us to make. And, and you know, <laughs> uh, the enemy pushed it in and began, the people began to worship it. And Hezekiah said, no, burn it. Get rid of it. We're not, not going to burn incense to a piece of brass. That's idolatry. 
And you know, you need to be kind of ruthless in your faith too. You need to be kind of ruthless and go all the way with God. <clears throat> okay, next verse. Um, <clears throat> verse 5. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. Right now, now catch that. He trusted, he depended in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him uh, <clears throat> among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. You know, <clears throat> he, he was different. How was he different? He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. Now, you know what? You're not a brain surgeon and neither am I. But, and there are a lot of things I can't do. A lot of things you can't do. But can you trust in the Lord God? Can you depend upon Him? Of course you can. He wouldn't have told you to do it if you couldn't do it. Of course you can depend upon Him. He wants you to trust in the Lord God of Israel. He wants you to trust in Him. And <clears throat> you know what? If you will trust in him and not depart from his commandments because trusting in him means you're going to do what he tells you to do. Just think about it, right? Uh, if you trust me and you're going to walk across the road and I say to you, stop, don't walk across that road. Now you might look around and think, what, what's he talking about? But if you trusted me, you would say, okay, I'm not going to cross that road. I might be seeing something you can't see. Right? Now you might say, that's pastor's mad. You might, you might walk across the road anyway. And then you wouldn't be trusting me. Now listen, you'd have a good reason not to trust me. I'm only a human being like you. <clears throat> but when it comes to God, if I trust God and God says, don't do it, then what do I say? Okay. And if God says, do it, then I, I do it. Even if I can't see the reason. I do it. You see, <clears throat> Hezekiah trusted the Lord God. And because he trusted the Lord God, he obeyed the Lord God, and there was no king like him before him or after him in Judah. He trusted the Lord God. Do you know that you and I can trust God? We can, we can trust God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I can look to the word of God and I can believe the word of God and I can trust God. Now, one of the things that looking at the kings should do is it should make us trust God more. How does it make us trust God more? Well, what, what we've looked at is, you know, if you do what God tells you to do, things work out. Every, every time somebody does it God's way, it works out. Every single time. And if you don't do what God tells you to do, and you go against his prophets and go against his word and go against what he says, it doesn't work out. And it doesn't work out spectacularly. Always. It's really very simple. It's really very straightforward. If you trust in the Lord God... It works. If you don't trust in the Lord God, it doesn't work. Now you can do that. You can learn to trust Him. You can look at the Word of God and you can say, okay, tell you what, I'm not going to be like Israel. That was a bad deal. I'm going to be like Hezekiah. I'm going to trust in the Lord God. I'm going to depend upon Him. Now, <clears throat> we're going to see th some things in Hezekiah's life, some things where he does really well, and some things where he doesn't do so well, because he's going to have some crisis in his life, and you're going to have some crisis in your life. And when you have a crisis in your life, the issue is going to be for you, will you trust God? Always, 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 always. The issue is always going to be where you trust God. 
Will you trust God? Will you actually trust him? And if you trust God, you're going to do it his way, and it's going to work. And if you don't trust God, you're going to do it your way, and you're going to create problems for yourself. And if you do that often enough, you're going to end up like Israel. Where God's casting you off, because you know what? <clears throat> Listen, you are just going your own way and doing your own thing. <clears throat> but if you trust God, it's always going to work. Now, now, do I have to convince you of that? I don't, do I? You know that, don't you? You've seen that in the Bible. You've seen it again and again. I mean, you may only be saved a few weeks, and you still you've seen that uh, <clears throat> pretty clearly, that if, you, that if you trust God, things work, and if you don't trust God, things don't work very well. Okay? Now, so why don't you trust God? So why don't you trust God in the hard moments? Why did these kings not trust God? What, what was it that drove them not to trust God? Because here's the thing. I don't think I'm better than them. Do you think you're better than them? I don't think I'm, be- I don't think I'm better than anybody. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I kind of know myself a little bit. And I, I could be pretty scary. And so could you. <clears throat> so why do they not trust God? Well, probably several reasons, right? One, because they couldn't see what God was doing. <clears throat> you know, uh, isn't it amazing how many spectacular things happen in the Bible? Now, you and I know the story of Hezekiah, and we're not going to get there tonight, so I'll just <clears throat> bring it up for us. Um, <clears throat> you know, Hezekiah uh, is facing <clears throat> um, <clears throat> Shekha and all the lies and so on that he's told the people, and then he faces an army. More than 185,000, they're sitting outside his gates, they're going to come in, they're going to take his city, and they're going to, and they've told him what they're going to do. In fact, they've, they, they've, they've said, look, give in, because you, know, you can't win, and you know you can't. And they've told the people, give in, because you can't win, and you know you can't. And God sends an angel, and I love the way the Bible puts it. When they woke up in the morning, uh, they were dead corpses. And in fact, they didn't wake up in the morning. They were all dead. 185,000 soldiers are dead on the field. No battle fought. Nobody knows how. They just all died on the field. God took care of, care of Hezekiah. But now, let me ask you, what do you think went through Hezekiah's mind the day before? What, what do you think he was thinking? Oh, this is terrifying. There's no way out of this. There's a vast army out there. I, I, I couldn't even put 2,000 men on horses and chariots if they gave them to me. I mean, there's no way I could win. There's no way. It's impossible. Another side of him is saying, but God's able to do anything. God is able to do anything. Will I just give in so they maybe treat me nice, hopefully, and they'll, 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 they'll transport to somewhere else, or will I trust God? And, and he's going back and forth in his mind, because you know him. He was a human being, just like you and I. That's what we'd be doing, wouldn't it? But he came down on the side of trusting God and he demonstrated that in prayer and God vindicated him. Do you know that there's going to be times in your life all the time like that? Well, you've got to choose what it looks like is going to happen or you've got to choose what God can do. There's going to be times in your life like that. There's going to be times when you have to choose to do what God wants you to do over what looks like a disaster if you do that. 
all the time. That's how God's going to grow your faith. God wants you to look beyond what you can see and reckon on him. Remember King David? King David, he was only a boy when he did it. Remember he went up against Goliath. The whole army of Israel for 40 days and 40 nights looked up out over the top of the hill, saw Goliath, everybody went, ah! and they all ran away again. That's literally what happened. The whole army, vast army, nobody would fight the giant. Um, <clears throat> Saul was the biggest man uh, in the camp, and, and there was no way he was going out to fight that giant. And, and then David comes along. Half-pint teenager, ruddy, you know, <clears throat> nothing going for him. And he goes out and he takes the head off the giant. Now, what was the difference between David and this army of seasoned soldiers? What was the difference between David and Saul? I mean, David was not a big, strong man. He was not somebody that could do it. What was the difference? David saw God. Saul couldn't. David knew, you know what? God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I, I, I know God is, <clears throat> as well as it's possible for me to know him, I've been seeking him. You know what? I'm going out down that field and I'm guaranteeing he's going to reward me. Because the battle's not <clears throat> uh, man's, the battle is the Lord's. And David was going out there whether he came back or not, but he was fully expecting to come back. Nobody else expected him to come back. Saul didn't, the army didn't, his brothers didn't. But he could see God and trust God. And because he saw God, the course of history was changed. Now here's the thing for you and I. You know, when we see God in the situation, and we come down on God's side of the situation, and we're doing what he wants us to do, it's going to be scary. Can you imagine facing off with that giant and the guy laughing at you? I'm going to feed you to the fowls of the air. You're history, buddy. I'm going to take you down in a heartbeat. Can you imagine going out there? That would have been terrifying, wouldn't it? But you know what? He came back a different way. He came back with the head of Goliath. Why? Because he could see God. Do you know that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? I mean, you can, you can go to the bank on that. You can't go to the bank on your shares. You can't go to the bank on the pension the government's going to give you or anybody else is going to give you. You can't go to the bank on, <clears throat> on your house because you don't know what it's going to be worth. But you can go to the bank on the fact that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He will take, and that's what trusting God is. Trusting God is, I know I'm going to be okay because he's going to take care of me. And you know you grow in that? You, you do what he's telling you to do today. Just that little bit. He's telling you to do something small today, so do it. And, and, and you, know, you do it and you go, wow, that worked. And, and, and then he tells you to do something tomorrow and you do that and you go, wow, that worked. And you grow your faith. Simple ways. God builds you up in faith. And, and you think, well, you know, it's just me and I'm nothing and so on. Now, hang on a minute. Hezekiah was not a great king because he was good with a sword. He was not a great king because he was the most fabulous commander in general that the uh, army of Judah had ever seen. He was not a great king because he had the vastest armor. 
army. He was a great king because he trusted God. Do you know if you and I trust God, we become automatically great? The world doesn't recognize it. Maybe you don't recognize it. Maybe nobody else recognizes it. But God does. Hebrews 11 is the roll call of faith of the heroes of the Old Testament. Paul is listing them, uh, <clears throat> listing all the heroes of the Old Testament, and he goes through this long list of them. What was great about them? Their faith. They trusted God. You see, walking with God's actually very simple. Walking with God's not hard. Walking with, being a great one with God is, <clears throat> doesn't take anything great of you. You know, the simplest person can be great if they will trust God. A child can be great if they will trust God. You can be great if you trust God. doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or where your life's coming from. If you will trust God, you will be great because that's what he reckons as greatness. Now, it's true. When you trust God, you're going to obey God. But the trusting God is the key issue. The trusting God. Hezekiah was a great king because he trusted God. Do you know that you and I can do that? I can't do much, but I can trust God. You know, <clears throat> I, I can't preach a sermon that's going to turn the world around. But I can trust God. You know, <clears throat> a lot of stuff I can't do. A lot of stuff you can't do. Do you know that God never intended you for, to do all, for you to do all the things you think you should do? God, God wasn't waiting for you to come so he could actually tackle this job of reaching the world with the gospel. Do you know what God wants? God wants you to trust him and obey him. And one day, he's going to say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant, if you trust him and obey him. You know what a good and faithful servant does? They don't create the plan. They don't create the money for the plan. They don't do anything. You know what a good and faithful servant does? What they're told. That's all. Now listen, isn't that wonderful? I can do what I'm told. Oh yeah, I have the sin nature that wants me to do my own thing, but I can do what I'm told. I can do what God tells me to do. I can obey. That's, that's kind of, you know, he, he's not asking anything that he doesn't provide for in terms of enabling me. To, I can do what he tells me to do. And yet, that's what makes you great. That's what will bring God out on your side. Because the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking what? What's he looking for? What's the rest of the verse? Those who have a perfect heart towards him. What's a perfect heart towards God? Do you know in the context? In the context... There, a perfect heart towards him is a heart that trusts him. See, that's what God's looking for tonight. That's what God's looking for in you. <clears throat> God's not looking for some great one to do some great thing so that he can get the ball rolling and he can reach Ireland with the gospel. God's looking for simple people who will say, yes, Lord, I will trust you and I will obey you. And when we do that, 
the power that's released is incredible. That's, that's when things like, uh, like what happened for Hezekiah happened. Let me just go a few, few more verses and then we'll, then, then we'll pause it till next week. Right, verse 7. And the Lord was with him and he prospered with us whoever he went forth. And he, <clears throat> so the Lord was with Hezekiah and he prospered. What does it mean to prosper? He was blessed. Things went his way. Everywhere, everywhere he went, things went well. <clears throat> Doesn't it remind you of, <clears throat> of Psalm 1? Right? And he shall be like a tree that is planted by the river of water, rivers of water, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Who's it talking about there? The blessed man is the man who doesn't go by the world, but meditates on the word and does it God's way, and he's, he's, he's prospered. Hezekiah prospered everywhere he went. Man, there was blessing on this side, and there was blessing on that side, and there was blessing on the other side, right? <clears throat> and he, he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and he served him not. Well, you see, his daddy had invited in the king of Assyria, uh, and he had become subject to him and given him all the stuff out of the, uh, out of the um, <clears throat> temple. And, and um, <clears throat> Hezekiah said, no way, I'm not doing I'm, 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 I'm not yielding to that anymore. I'm, I'm not giving in to that anymore. And God was with him. And he wouldn't serve him. And he smote the Philistines even unto Gaza and the borders thereof from the tower of the watchmen to the fenced city. Israel's been on the run. Israel, when Israel walked with God, when, when Judah walked with God, Judah was blessed and Judah was winning always. And when they didn't walk with God, they were always had somebody on their tail chasing them. And the Philistines keep coming up again and again. And it's interesting, you know, whenever they walk with God, you see them going after the Philistines and pushing the Philistines back. And that's what Hezekiah does. He, 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 push, he, he smites the Philistines and he pushes them back. Uh, <clears throat> he smote the Philistines even unto Gaza and the border thereof from the tower of the watchmen to the fenced city. And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalemaster, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years, they took it. Even in the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel unto Assyria and put them in <clears throat> Hela and in Haber by the river Gozan in the cities of the Medes, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded and would not hear them or do them. Now, I want to give you two pictures tonight. Right? <clears throat> and then we're done. Okay, the one picture is Israel. Everybody's being led away into captivity. Losers. No power. They have no control. They have no power. They are being led away into captivity. The other part of the nation of Judah is saying, hey, king of Assyria, you know, listen, you get lost. We're not paying you. We're not giving to you anymore. We're our own sovereign nation, and you just get out of here. The other part of the nation is pushing back the Philistines. You got losers and you got winners. What's the difference? Faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. Do you know why Judah is winning? Do you know why Hezekiah is winning? Do you know why Hezekiah is prospering everywhere he goes? Faith and obedience. Isn't that, isn't that really simple, isn't it? Do, do you know why Israel is going into captivity? No faith and no obedience. They're not trusting and they're not doing. Now, <clears throat> I can ask you a question and, and you, you're going to laugh at the, at the question. Do you want to be a loser all your life? No, you don't, do you? You don't want to be a loser. 
Okay, you know what you need to do? Trust and obey. Simple. Trust and obey. Simple. Simple, simple, simple. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. And listen, you will be a loser up to the point where you decide, okay, hang on a minute, I'm going to trust and obey. Okay, now, next question. What area are you not obeying in? What area are you not obeying? What area is it that you know God would have you to do something, but you're not obeying in that area? Is there an area like that? Well, you know the answer, don't you? Trust and obey. It's trust and obey. Unless it all changes, everything turns around. Father, would you bless us tonight? Thank you for your word to us. Thank you for your help to us. Bless us. And Lord, may we take the simple lesson of trusting and obeying. And Lord, may we be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.